You're listening to The Cannabis Hangout, two girls, one bowl, and a podcast that is breaking the stigma of marijuana. My name is Brandon. And my name is Saba. We will be connecting with a community of cannabis enthusiasts by educating people, sharing stories from medical marijuana patients, and interviewing industry leaders while debunking cannabis myths. So we invite you to come roll with us while while we we break break it all down. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Cannabis Hangout. My name's Brandon. And I'm Saab. And in this episode, we will be talking with Bryce Davis from Cola Organics as a part of one of our industry leader series episodes. So please welcome Bryce to the pop, to the Cannabis Hangout. <laughs> welcome, Bryce. Hello, everybody. Hope everybody's doing well today. Thanks for being here. So today we're just going to kind of ask Bryce some questions about his cannabis journey and what Cola Organics is, what you guys stand for, what you do, what makes you special type thing. So let's just start with the first one. Tell us like your cannabis journey, journey where you began and like using cannabis, smoking it, where that rooted from. Uh, Well, first it started with using of cannabis. Um, First time I tried was in high school, just like a one, two time thing. Um, we always got drug tested uh, because I was an athlete year-round. So I really could never smoke without the fear of having to fail a drug test and being kicked out of school. Right. So I didn't really use it very much. Uh, then when I went to college, uh, same thing, getting drug tested. Um, but used it on the holidays like Christmas break and spring break. Um, but outside of that, I really didn't use it very much just because – I was trying to maintain my scholarship and not get kicked off my team. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I later went to the NFL where I went to uh, play for the Cincinnati Bengals in 2012, was with them through 13, and then went to the Pittsburgh Steelers after that. Right on. Um, Dope. That first year of the NFL, training for the NFL, I discovered that cannabis really helped me in my training sessions Mm -hmm. where I'd just gotten done with my senior season. And uh, had a really beat up body and then went straight into training three times a day. Um, and I, I really just found that cannabis helped me get through that time. Wow, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your body's going through so much. So much. Mm-hmm. Uh, it definitely helped with uh, the pain relief and mm-hmm. then just uh, repetition. You know, anything that you want to do great, you have to do it repeatedly mm-hmm. uh, until you are great at it. And that's what I found cannabis did for me was mm-hmm. just training over and over and over on simple moves, complex moves, um, and just thinking ahead. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. So do you find that that was when you feel like your journey with cannabis really became like kind of full circle where you found the medicinal benefits rather than just getting high and then that's where you started exploring more into really getting like – your roots into it. Yeah, that's, it definitely solidified it for me. Uh, Just being able to go into training camp and learning this playbook that was very, very complex, Mm -hmm. very, um, very fast paced where you're learning like 20, 30 plays a day at six in the morning. And there are paragraph, a paragraph long play of words that they just gave you. Um, so it's, it's a language in itself that you have to learn. Oh, I can't even imagine. Mental toll on top of your physical body, the mental part of it. And then doing it all on film the day you learn it. Oh, wow. And getting, uh, judged on it that evening, you know? Yeah. A lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It is a lot of pressure. And 
I felt like being able to go home on my breaks and being able to smoke weed just really took the edge of the pressure off yeah. uh, in prepping for practice. So mm-hmm. you weren't getting drug tested during? So we like- had one uh, street drug test that we knew about, and all the players knew about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was during training camp. Once you had that that test and you passed it, it was known in the NFL that uh, you had a year until you'd see that test again. Ah, so interesting. there was a period there where if you passed that test, you could smoke as much weed as you want and not wow. have to worry about it. Uh, so wow. that was where it really took off for me because it was helping me. Yeah. It was helping me sleep. It was helping me not stress about my plays. Yeah. Did uh, you know what you were smoking then or was it just kind of whatever no, you got? It was just from some locals Love I that. had met. And, <laughs> yeah, they were hooking it up. Did you even know if it was like an Indica or Sativa or is it just like, here's your weed? Had no clue. Yeah. yeah I took what I could get. Yeah. That's wild. Isn't yeah. It? That's, I feel like that's how it is. That's yeah. How it I feel like here. it's very rare that I heard people that were like, yeah, my dealer's got some Boba Kush. And I'm like, how the f do you know that? Like, yeah. how do you really know that? Um, so when did you feel like you, like, what was that aha moment that you were like, damn, like, this is the industry. This is where I belong. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Oh, man. It's a good question. Loaded one. Yeah. Yeah. So I, when I was with the Steelers my third year, before I even started the NFL, I told myself that I would give myself three years. And if I hadn't stuck with a team where I was on that team um, throughout the season, Mm -hmm. that I would quit the NFL and I would figure out what I was doing next. Um, So early in that, I, uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do at all. I was extremely confused. I had... 12 hours left in my degree, Mm -hmm. and uh, it was probably my second year of the NFL. I started uh, hearing about Colorado uh, being legalized and Mm -hmm. hearing people heal themselves with RSO and uh, having children with epilepsy and Mm -hmm. using cannabis oil to save their lives, essentially. And uh, it was at that time that I decided that that's what I wanted to do besides play sports was grow cannabis and kind of pioneer that industry of Mm -hmm. discovering the healing benefits of it because I was seeing it on YouTube. That's dope. Yeah. Like it really intrigued you, just like grabbed your attention. Yeah, it really grabbed my attention. And from that point, I started planning on what it would take to do an indoor grow. And I was looking at Colorado first and they had a five-year residency. And uh, so I couldn't go there. And Mm -hmm. then Oregon was the next state to pop up and, they didn't have a residency rule, so mm. I left. And, wow. uh, yeah, I said goodbye to the NFL and never looked back. Wow. So how long ago was this? Um, 2012 to 2014. Okay, wow. was the NFL. And then in 14, uh, November of 14, I left. So you could have I, kept going now. Yeah, I told the Houston Texans, the Chiefs, and the Vikings uh, that I wouldn't come in. Oh, wow. That's wow. a that's like a big life yeah. move. Yeah, it was. Like my, a yeah. career mental move, trying to figure, mm-hmm. trusting it. My parents thought I had lost my mind. Oh, yeah. wow. I'm sure. I can yeah. imagine. Yep. They were uh, very, very proud of me for going to the NFL for sure. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's a very dope accomplishment. Yeah. And it's cool that you can still say that you did that, but now your, your journey is healing people, you know? Yeah. It's cool to be able to say that and kind of switch the curve a little bit. I agree. Yeah. You've grown in different ways. Yeah. Which and, is very cool. Yeah, it just so happened that the NFL started getting a bad name about, uh, like, head trauma. Yeah. Um, and then mm-hmm. at the same time, I'm seeing things where people believe that cannabis uh, preserves the brain and helps the brain. Yes. Uh, so I, I 
believe in that myself. And I think as the industry Mm -hmm. continues to grow, we'll see that. But yeah, for sure. Is there things that you in growing in Oregon and growing in Oklahoma, I'm sure are very different. Is there things that you like and miss about Oregon that you don't get in Oklahoma or things you love about Oklahoma that you didn't get in Oregon? Man, when I first moved to Oregon, one, the pure beauty of that state yes. is mm-hmm. incredible. Yes. You just It doesn't matter where you're traveling to. You will be in awe the whole time, uh, from the mountains to the rivers to the, the sunsets and then all the animal life uh, in between. So, yeah, that, that part I really, really miss a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, when I first got to Oregon, I was kind of sad because I was a – I was a big guy that liked to eat a whole lot. Yeah. (laughs) Portions there are small, I'm assuming. Yeah, just the convenience. You didn't have the gas station on every corner or the fast food Mm -hmm. on every corner uh, like we do here in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. So at first it really bothered me, but um, I kind of forced myself to uh, eat kind of poor Mm -hmm. because when I first moved there, I only had about $4,000. so I was I was there, didn't know anybody, and just trying to conserve my money. So I was eating uh, beef and beans, logs of beef and chili beans. Oh my gosh! Like every single day. Oh and wow! Then incorporated into like uh, uh, organic vegetables into that, and I mm. really started to have an understanding for organic foods yeah. and how it made me feel. Um, that was right. the first time I could eat like two massive burritos. And not gain weight. And yeah. I, I was actually losing weight. Wow. Uh, I lost like 30 pounds after I left the NFL. I and believe it. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it was just eating the same amount, but eating organic. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, that's the one thing I really miss there is the scenery and then the health consciousness of their food. Yeah. Um, don't really have that here. Yeah. But with that said, Oklahoma has the best people. Yeah. Uh, most hardworking people mm-hmm. that you'll ever come across. Yeah. Um, living in Ohio, Pennsylvania, Oregon, it was mind-blowing to know just how strong the people were here yeah. in Oklahoma compared mm-hmm. to. Yeah. We love Oklahoma. We're, yeah. We're respectful, too. Yeah. Hell yeah, we are. Something to be proud of. Yeah. For sure. To flip the script just a little bit to um, going diving into, like, cola. Tell us about Cola Organics and what you guys do. Okay, so uh, Cola Organics, uh, we are a cannabis manufacturer near downtown, um, right next to the Wheeler District. Uh, We have taken over the old Steel Supply Co. building, uh, which was a big steel manufacturing building that actually a train came into the building and picked up steel and shipped it out. Um, So it's, it's a historical building over there that we have now transformed into a indoor cannabis grow and extraction lab. Uh, we also specialize in a premium flower. It's uh, bud grown from organic living soil that I've been making for scratch for the past six years. Uh, it truly is what kind of separates our, our bud from everybody else's bud. Um, and not everybody, that's a, that's a blank statement, but... Uh, most growers grow their cannabis from fertilizers, which they grow or buy from a grow store. Uh, those fertilizers are high salt fertilizers. Um, they they allow the the grower to grow the plant in a hydroponic system or just a um, a water system, a deep water culture type system. <coughs> 
these fertilizers also make the the cannabis itself grow at an abnormal rate because it, it force feeds them. Um, because they are salts, when they put it in the water that is fed to the plants, it makes the parts per million in the water go really high, like 1,200 mm-hmm. to 1,500 parts per million, mm-hmm. um, where I can take that same water, get an organic tea bag, put a bunch of dry amendments in it, uh, like guanos and uh, castings and all kinds of different things. Um, let it sit for 24 to 48 hours, pop the bags to try to get a lot of sediment to come out of the bags into the water. Mm-hmm. And my parts per million in the water might be around 600. Uh, so that's the, the drastic difference between what a hydroponic grower and an organic grower is doing mm-hmm. is every time they water, they're force feeding a high amount of salts. Um, and what that does is it makes that plant stretch abnormally. It uh, makes the plant very hollow. If you cut the plant from the stalk and look at the stalk, you'll see a hole running all the way up the plant, uh, and that hole carries its way all the way into the bud. Um, This causes actually a spongy bud. Mm -hmm. You can grab some people's bud and squeeze it, and it feels like a sponge. Or if you grab a cola, uh, it'll be very, very dense. Um, Our buds can be smaller uh, compared to some of these very large buds that you see on the marketplace. Put them on the scale, the cola will weigh more. Um, interesting yeah it's just because it's uh it's grown slowly and to its full development Mm -hmm. um with that too you'll notice that we have a very sticky bud um and we have a very terpy bud um you can take every one of our strains in a jar right next to each other when you open the jar you're going to see a significant or smell a significant difference from each one of them um so that's really what separates us apart is that smell Mm -hmm. And I believe that it, because it is, uh, it's grown to its full development, that it's real medicine at that point, um, where if you grow it uh, abnormal, it doesn't fully develop. Um, cannabis grows in different stages is what people don't realize. Mm-hmm. It has a nitrogen stage, it has a phosphorus stage, and it has a potassium stage. And each one of those are major nutrients that have minor nutrients that go with them. Um, and if you're not hitting on all stages of growth, then you're missing, uh, whether it be uh, a calyx uh, being produced or um, terpenes being produced or cannabinoids being produced. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a weed, and anyone can grow a weed, but not everyone can grow great mm-hmm. cannabis. Yes, yeah. agreed. It's a true statement. Wow. wow. A, lot of, a lot of knowledge you just dropped. <laughs> no, I'm like sitting here, eyes wide open. Wow, that's crazy. I know, learning so much. Um, so you guys don't do, with a lot of growers that, um, you know, we've met and just we've observed, they grow a lot of strains that are very known, like Blue Dream, Green Crack, GG4. I know that Cola does not do that. Um, so tell us a little bit about that. What What's the idea behind that? What can people look for when they come by Cola? Strain-wise, how do you guys come up with strains? So uh, that's a great question because um, it is one of the things that is very unknown in the marketplace, uh, both by the buyers and uh, by the patients, is that cannabis is just as unique as humans. If it comes from a seed, if that plant came from a seed, it has its own uh, genetic makeup or DNA. There's no other strain in the world like it. Um, So the example I've always used to kind of help people understand, let's say I have a blue dream female, and that's bred with any kind of male. 
that blue dream female will produce thousands of seeds. The grower will collect those seeds. He'll label a bag blue dream seeds, and then he'll sell it on the open market to everyone as a blue dream uh, seed or strain. Mm -hmm. So then all the growers will grow those seeds and uh, they'll take cuttings of those seeds and then they'll sell those clones on the open market. And they will also call those blue dream clones. Uh, but the only problem is every single one of those seeds are genetically different, uh, just like your brothers and sisters. Just because we have the same parents doesn't mean we're the exact same person. It's a great analogy. That, yeah, that was a really good analogy. Right. Nailed it. Cannabis is the exact same way. So um, you got to know where your strain come from, comes from, what grower popped that seed, and who has that grower given that strain too. Um, so I always say, know your grower, know your medicine. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we pop everything from seed at Cola and then, uh, we run it from, from sprout all the way to smoking it. We're looking for rooting ratios. We're looking for terpene profiles, cannabinoid profiles, flowering times, effects. Uh, they're all unique. And, um, at Cola, we try to pick the best of the best mm-hmm. in each crop and uh, then we breed them out for select traits. And mm-hmm. I think that's the start to figuring out true medicine for cannabis. Dope. Very cool. Um, I had a question and I just forgot it. Crap. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes. Here I got it. Um, so cola, this is kind of going a little backwards, but what what made you think of the name cola? Like, tell us what cola means. Yes, great question. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, people need to know. I've wanted cola for a long time. Um, so when I started to learn about growing a lot um, and selling lots of weed, you always heard that the growers were keeping all the colas to smoke for themselves. Uh, and the cola was the best bud in the canopy or the tallest bud in the canopy. Um when a cannabis plant grows, whichever part of that plant is the tallest, mm-hmm. it's going to deliver the most uh, nutrients too, or volume of water. Um, and so you find that that tallest nug is always the biggest nug. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are the colas. Okay. Dope. That's really neat. That is K-O-L-A. Really neat. And that's why they're called cola organics. Yes. <laughs> um, so what is something in the industry that you find that you would like to see changed with um, not just growers, not just processors, but also patients that um, just collectively you would like people to just do differently in market? Question question your products. um, Question your bud tenders. And, you know, I'm I'm actually super impressed with the, uh, the bud tenders in the Oklahoma industry. They're extremely passionate uh, about cannabis and, I think they do a great job selling it, uh, but I don't. Th- I don't think the education or understanding of weed is really there, and uh, I believe that's not the bud tender's fault, but actually mm-hmm. the grower's fault. Uh, whoever's making the product needs to be educating about their product, regardless of they ask or not. Like, give it. Correct. Correct. It. It's an unwritten book that we are writing as cannabis pioneers. Um, and I think it starts with the person growing it. Yeah. Um, and same with the processors too. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of, uh, misguided knowledge on, on what is what, um, especially in the, the 
producer world, but also in the extraction world too. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What questions like would you ask a bartender? Like if you were to tell people that are like important, uh, I would say first off, which of your producers are soil grown? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I think hydroponic has its place. Um, I do believe it should be on a lower shelf, um, but it, it, it's the most economic way of growing. That's why it's here. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a black market and it was tough to grow with soil because you got to fight bugs. People can see you hauling soil in and out. It's a ton of work moving all that dirt um, where you could just be setting up a table that recycles its water and you're just pH in the water and adding nutrients too. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was very economic. That's why they do it. Um, you know, and everything has its tier for a reason. Some people can't afford to spend more than $4 on a gram. Yeah. You know, I, I believe that's where that hydroponic could help benefit some people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the main question is who is your soil grown? What kind of soil? There's a lot of different, uh, growers that claim their soil, uh, but all they're doing is growing in a cocoa medium. Uh, which that cocoa is actually a nutrientless fiber. All it does is hold water. Uh, so there's nothing there from the plant to grow from. So what do they do? They get the fertilizer bottle, put it in the water, and then they water that into the cocoa, cocoa media and call it soil. But that's not soil. That's hydroponics still. Interesting. Uh, yeah, so your quality is severely affected there. So that's always my first question. Who's soil grown in here? And if mm-hmm. if the bud tenor can't tell you the name of their farms, that's a big big uh, red flag yeah. right there. Yeah, that's major. That is. It, yeah, it'd even be worth like calling a dispensary before you went in and maybe asking that question, mm-hmm. and then like hopping on online yeah. or social media and like figuring that out from that grower. Mm-hmm. I don't know if yeah. you if you really well, care. Yeah, I feel like not a lot of dispensaries do that because I mean I know like mammoth. I mean mammoth always when they do collaborations, they always put the grower on the back, which I love. Sunday always works with um, Red Dirt Sun Grown. So it's like, it's cool that I know, I mean, with edibles is different. You don't really know. I feel like it's hard to question with edibles because these big brands like Chiba Chews, Green Hornets, like yep. they kind of already have it down type thing. But like I know Sunday Extracts is local and they always use Red Dirt Sun Grown. So their stuff is always, you know, like coming out clean and very consistent. And, you know, it's because, you know, the grower, you know, the source of the flower. So, you know, the product you're going to be getting is... And that's great. It matches up. You know, it's really cool. And I think that is a very important question that's not asked enough by patients, but also isn't relayed yeah. by bud tenders. So that's a very, mm-hmm. very good point. Mm-hmm. Yep. Know your grower, know your medicine. There's a, there's a lot of black market product that unfortunately filters its way into the legal market. Mm. Um, so if, if your dispensary does not know their grower or where the product is exactly coming from. And a lot of these dispensaries buy from distributors, uh, not growers. And those distributors are getting it from whatever license and they get what they get. And that's what gets put on the shelves. Uh, but there's, there's major issues and concerns with that, that people got to consider, especially if you're looking at cannabis for medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, one, this is the stickiest plant in the world. Uh, it is a weed. A lot of people can grow it and they grow it outdoors. So everything that's in the air outdoors that happens to pass by that crop is going to be in that bud, uh, because it's, it's sticky. It clings to everything. That's, that's literally why the plant makes the oil in the first place is to get pollinated and catch pollen. Um, so that's a big concern if you're worried about allergens. Um, two, 
cannabis attracts a lot of bugs, uh, a lot of unwanted bugs where growers can have infestations and lose their whole crop. Mm, can't afford uh, that. Yeah, that happens a lot, and there's a lot of money involved. So what do they do? They go get some kind of spray or pesticide, and they spray the whole crop. And, mm. yeah, you can't see that pesticide. Um, so unfortunately, a lot of that black market weed has pesticide. And if you're a uh, person trying to deal with cancer and trying to be a survivor and you're smoking pesticide, yeah. you're probably hurting your chances. Yeah, uh, and you don't even know it. Yeah, Exactly. That's uh, the scary part. Yeah. You don't have to cough to get off type thing. Mm. The, the, the old sayings are, are not good sayings. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, expando weed, your lungs should not feel like they have to expand and cough. Um, you know, there's a good chance you're smoking something you shouldn't be smoking. Yeah. Very true. That is very true. Um, hang tight. What was, what would be something regarding if we like twist it to like the stigma with cannabis? What, what, what do you think is like the biggest misconception or myth when it comes to cannabis? I know everyone has different ones mm-hmm. or like maybe very common ones, but yeah. I'm always yeah. interested into like your mind and what do you think that looks like? Yeah, it, it's tough. You know, you got the the common ones of that were lazy stoners. Right? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. yeah, that's yeah. a given. Uh, yeah. So I, I try not to focus so much on the repetitive myth side of mm-hmm. the negative, right? I like yeah. to try and talk about the reverse side of that, the positive of what I see. Yeah, yeah, I respect that. Yeah. Too. Um, and what I see, I've never seen. Uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I bet you've never seen either a uh, a stoner or someone smoking weed mm-hmm. that has got is just getting screaming angry with someone. Yeah. Yes, that's a very that's very that's a very like great beginner point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean yeah. to be able to wrap your mind around. Yeah. Yeah, you never yeah. see a stoner or someone that's high off a of weed Mm-mm. getting very, very frustrated or mad with anyone. Yeah. Uh, that's not what you want to do. So right. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Um, so that that's one thing I've noticed. I've also noticed a lot of, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for, creative conversation amongst mm-hmm. people uh, where a lot of people have like a social anxiety. If you can get in a room filled with people, and you're all sharing uh, a J together, let's mm-hmm. say. Uh, it's amazing where you, you find the conversation going between people and the different ideas that sprout up out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to call them my cola team, but it's just my uh, my growers mm-hmm. and uh, some people that helped with the build-out. And the amount of ideas that have come from all of us just talking together and sharing a little ganja, mm-hmm. it's, it's quite Isn't amazing. Awesome? Yeah. yeah. Um, and without that, would that have really happened? Yeah. Probably not. You know? You know, something else was weighing on your mind before mm-hmm. that. Yeah, just stimulates you in ways that you wouldn't think. Um, so what is your favorite cola strain? It's so tough. I know, I know, but you have that one that always brings you back. We all know mine is Crown. Yeah, I think I got to stick with Hi Ho Cola. Uh, she's going to be a very hard one to replace. Uh, What's the high like with Hi Ho? Yeah, tell us a little bit about Hi-ho it. Hi Ho for me is very just. Um, it's not one direction or the other. I would say that's like a true fifty-fifty. But um, for me, it's just. I work really good throughout the day on it, and mm-hmm. um, at nighttime, it's a good one to put me down and settle my nerve, too. Um, but I, I'm kind of a, 
connoisseur of smoking. I, I take yeah. it as like it's part of my job mm-hmm. yes. to smoke the cannabis mm-hmm. and see what it does to me and really yeah, analyze it. Yeah, you have it. to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and mm-hmm. get other people's opinions on it. And Because like I said, we're pioneers of an unwritten book, and uh, that's our duty, I feel like. Yeah. Um, but no, the hi-ho, it was, a, it was a good experience for me because one – I'm growing in a brand new place. I don't know any of these people. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm telling them how I'm testing my genetics and we got to start now, even though I'm in a little tiny office that, you know, it's not a grow room. Yeah. But it's like, who cares? I'll make it work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm growing in this little office and uh, I have probably nine, 10 genetics in there, but there's 16 plants. And so there's duplicates of some of them. And it's the high hose in the back right corner of the room it's literally covered up by most of the other plants. And uh, a good buddy today, is, he actually has the farm Stinkfinger uh, Farms, uh, but he's a great guy, Kevin. He came into the room, and this is an old Navy sailor that grew up as a young boy uh, breaking horses for people. Uh, so he, he's a cowboy in the sense. And uh, he comes into the room, and the first thing he does is he points at that plant, and he's like, hi-ho, silver. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking about? And he showed me that plant, and it wasn't that far into flower. It was probably three weeks into flower, so it was barely showing uh, its potential. And I actually thought that the plant was messed up, uh, like a salt lockout Um because when I first moved here, I couldn't get my hands on my nutrients uh, for making my soil. So I was forced to uh, use some store-bought soil, which, you know, they make claims on there, but you, you truly don't know what they've done to the soil and its condition. So I'm, I'm looking at these new seeds, hoping I don't kill them uh, and then think I can't grow. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, but I see the hi-ho, and uh, she's so frosted. Like, all of her fan leaves are super, super frosty, which... The fan leaves are the larger leaves on the plant, uh, for most of you that don't know. Uh, they don't produce resin most of the time. The, the leaves that do on the plant are the sugar leaves or the leaves that are really close to the bud. Those usually resin out really hard. Well, the hi-ho, its fan leaves even resin out super hard. Uh, so I just instinctually thought I was seeing a lockout of some kind, um, and sure Kevin en- saw it differently. Yeah, yeah. Ke- Kevin saw the beauty in it and called it out. And sure enough, she finished great. And yeah, she's unbelievable smoke. And uh, she's here today as Hi Ho Cola. That's, That's so cool. dope. I never knew that story behind Hi Ho. Yeah. That's really freaking cool. <laughs> she. <laughs> I love that reference. That's awesome. Oh, here, here's another little bit of knowledge, too, that no one knows about nor even thinks about, but I see it all the time and it drives me crazy as a grower. Okay. So on Instagram, you have a lot of people that like to post their grows. Mm-hmm. Um, one, you'll notice if you look at my garden toward the late end of life, all the plants are still green. Um, the only things that have showed you the signs of them being finished are the hairs or the pistols have went from white to an orange color or an amber color, or depending on the strain, mm-hmm. uh, it changes color. Uh, also, the trikes go from a clear little ball um, to an amber ball, meaning they're ripened. Uh, so that's how I can see that they're done. Mm-hmm. Um, hydroponic growers, they actually flush the plant the two weeks before harvest. 
Uh, and what that is is just running tons and tons and tons of clean water through the plant so that you're eliminating as much salt buildup in that bud structure as possible. That's what keeps it from being harsh when you smoke it, uh, if it's flushed right. Well, in the process of flushing, that means there is zero nutrients going to that plant now. So it's literally just living off of water that has nothing in it. Uh, if you're a human and you drink uh, filtered water that has no minerals or anything, yeah. no electrolytes, mm-hmm. you will dehydrate yourself drinking a gallon a day. Yeah. Well, you're doing the same thing in a hydroponic setup to that plant. They dehydrate it of all of its nutrients, and you'll notice that they start to yellow out the leaves. All the leaves are uh, they're first purple, mm-hmm. or uh, some are yellow too, but uh, usually purple to yellow, and then they're done. Mm-hmm. Um so I see it all over Instagram, people zoomed in on those plants that are just purpled out or super, super, super triked out is what mm-hmm. I call it, or uh, their resin production looks like it's just off the charts. Mm-hmm. Really, like too good to be true? Yeah, almost yeah. like too good to be yeah. true. But if like you examine the bud, it's like once it's harvested and trimmed and all that, mm-hmm. those trikes are actually like fuzzy and they're not like oil glands like they're supposed to be. Right. Interesting. Yeah, it's so... People don't get to examine a garden like I do. I yeah. know. Yeah. I know you have so much like knowledge and experience behind it. Yeah. And so it, you I, see it from like a different perspective too. Yeah. I lived in that garden. Yeah. yeah. And if oh, I yeah. pruned that garden and my arms weren't corn rolled up, all my hair wasn't corn rolled up from oil, then there was a problem. Yeah. And I, I feel like a, a lot of gardens out there right now, that's the case. They don't oil like that. Mm-hmm. And that's the medicine part yeah. uh, that's missing. So question your bud tenders out there. Know where your medicine mm-hmm. comes from, yeah. and then know their practices too. Like what do they uh, what do they believe in when they're growing the weed? Yeah, um, yeah, because it is medicine, and I think we're gonna heal a lot of people moving forward. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. booming industry right yes. now, and it's it cool sure to be is. in it and talk to people like you, Bryce, who yeah. can like educate and uh-huh. spit some mad truth on like knowledge really yeah stuff that like we don't even know sorry I just dropped my water bottle <laughs> stuff that like we're still learning yeah it's really cool to get just different perspectives and questions that we should be asking Full of knowledge. And, yeah yes. it's awesome yeah i've been doing it hard for six years and i have so much still to learn like yeah, tons and tons to learn. That's still so That's neat though, because you know, yeah. I feel like you know so much right now, and yeah. it's cool that you can grow mm-hmm. in this industry, like quite yeah. literally. But like you know, yeah. it's just moving up with it and always learning. So staying yeah. on your toes, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. your plants yeah. are always changing, and like so yeah. are you with it. You, they they are always changing. It's just like uh, all the different species, or not species, but types of dogs that you see running around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. all have different characteristics and different behaviors. Yeah. Well, the the plants are the exact same way. You I can, love your analogies. I know. <laughs> They're, They're so visual. good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but it's way worse than that. Like, you, you don't find a dog that if you pet it too much that it's never going to live again. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there, uh, that's true. There's literal plants that's out there right. that are female plants. Yeah. That if you prune them too much, which pruning is a good thing mm-hmm. indoors because this is not the sun, it's yeah. fake artificial light. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we have to prune to make them grow well. But there's certain strains out there that if you prune them too much, uh, that they'll all of a sudden hermaphrodite and they'll make themselves seed out and you lose the whole crop. Damn, that's yeah. crazy. So there's there's a lot of tricks about weed that, yeah, people have a lot to learn. Yeah, yeah for always. Sure. Well, guys, this is going to be the end of our 
episode today. Bryce, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for we having me. We could probably me. go on for another long time. We always can. Bryce is always <laughs> such a good chat. Um, but yeah, we really appreciate you being here and taking the time and educating us and all of our listeners. Um, yeah. So stay tuned for next week's episode. <laughs> thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks, Bryce. See you, everybody. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season one of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at DopeHistory.com.